welcome back to the Joseph Tyler Sports Show. I am your host, Joseph Tyler, and we just had a fantastic AFC and NFC championship. We also have the retirement of Tom Brady, and we know who our Super Bowl contenders are going to be. So I think we just jump right into it with the biggest story of maybe ever in the NFL, and that is the retirement of Tom Brady. Um, what I think about this, earlier this weekend, Adam Schefter reported that Tom Brady will be retiring and that is the end-all be-all of it. When this story broke, everyone went nuts. The news outlets, ESPN, I went into my father's room, and he was watching CNN at that moment, and Tom Brady's retirement was on CNN. His retirement was on Fox News, and it was just all over the place. And the thing is, this story isn't just football. It's bigger than football. It's American sports history at this point and that is something I knew I always figured in my head was a thing but I I never really you 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 don't see the perspective of it until you actually see it and it's the same thing where you always knew Tom Brady would retire one day one year and it just wouldn't happen. These retirement talks started in 2016, and it's 2022. It's been over five years at this point, and he hasn't fallen off a cliff. He hasn't, his play hasn't diminished. In fact, his play has evolved, and he's played at an MVP caliber year. I think the important thing to remember is. We, when you take notice of Tom Brady and his play throughout the years, you can see that he has evolved it. He has developed. He knows he doesn't have that arm he used to have, so he's shortened the field for himself. He carves you up, up and down the field, but he gives himself those few shots a game, those few deep shots a game where he knows he can actively make that throw and... I don't blame him. I think Tom Brady, going from the Patriots to the Buccaneers, winning a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, he has done so much for this league, so much for the Patriots and the Buccaneers, and thank you. Thank you, Tom Brady, for being the embodiment of a generation. Thank you, Tom Brady, for being that last true gunslinger from that time. Thank you, Tom Brady, for years and years of excellence. However, the issue here is Tom Brady didn't get to announce his own retirement. Adam Schefter did. And that rubs me the wrong way. Adam Schefter broke this story this weekend and he broke it early if you have the information he should have shown that respect back towards Tom Brady and allowed him to break the story himself 
Adam Schefter did something that was what his job is as a reporter, but there comes times where being a journalist and being ethical are the two choices you have to make. And he, in fact, chose to be a journalist. And I can't fully fault him for that because someone else would have gotten the story, whether it was Rappaport or whoever else. But it comes down to if you do find something out, should you report it out of respect of the person who's going to be retiring? I personally think he should have just let Tom Brady do it, but whatever. I see why he did it. And in fact, when he was receiving backlash as everyone was retracting their statements and retracting their good wishes, he doubled down saying, no, yeah, this is happening. He is going to retire. Our reporting is not bad. This is what's going to go down. And so we would later find out that day that Tom Brady hadn't even called the Buccaneers GM yet. He hadn't told him he's going to retire. And he told him, you know, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still weighing my options. And it was at that moment when I heard he just barely gave the Buccaneers GM a call that for a moment I had hope. I had an acceptance when Tom Brady retired. I was cool with it. I understood But the problem is, when the retirement got leaked early, it gave me hope. It gave me a little bit of, well, what if he comes back? He could still play. We all know he can. What if he saw Adam Schefter's reporting and said, nah, man, I I think I can go for one more year just just to stick it to him. You know, I thought that was a real possibility of what could happen. And today, just before recording this podcast, Tom Brady made a post on Instagram, nine slides, one, a picture of himself, and he laid out a message for the entire world. He talked about how it's not easy for him to write this. And I understand when it's coming from his own mouth, it's different than other people saying it for you. And he said football is a sport that you need to be all in for, 100% all in in order to succeed. And for the last 22 years, Tom Brady, more than any other quarterback, has given his all we have heard of the private sacrifices he's had to make his wife wanting him to retire his wife not wanting to see him get hit anymore his kids getting older and Tom Brady still coming out onto the field every single week giving it his all 100% but over time those things start to add up. And over time, Tom Brady has accomplished everything you can accomplish as an NFL quarterback. He's won the Super Bowl more times than anybody. 
he's as successful, if not more successful, than most of the NFL franchises in the NFL. He has all the all-time records, all the accolades. What, what more is there to keep him in the game other than himself? For a long time, people will chase legacy. People will chase records. They'll chase Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers is still trying to chase his second Super Bowl. That's what will keep players coming back. That's what will keep them going. But Tom Brady has already achieved everything he can achieve. And so, with no further goals in mind, except for extending records he already owns, there's nothing. There's nothing but his own passion leading him to play the game. And I think that's where the difference is. That's what allows that reflection to come in. That's what allows him to think about retirement. Because, of course, age is a factor. But if Tom Brady still had another goal in mind, let's say Tom Brady had four Super Bowls. He's tied with Joe Montana. If he believes he can win one more Super Bowl just to pass him up, Tom Brady would have come back next year but the truth of the matter is he doesn't he's on top of the mountain by far the greatest quarterback by far above everybody else and we just need to think about that we need to think about that when it comes down to what it means to retire and what it comes down to is just family and Tom Brady's family wanted him to finish up and he certainly did it is situations like these where reflection is required Tom Brady not only was my favorite quarterback growing up but he was a personal hero of mine. Seeing his determination week in and week out, seeing how hard he worked, and being an underachiever coming out of the draft, always being written off. Tom Brady spoke to me on a personal level. He inspired me to be greater. And, I mean, he was one of the inspirations for me to start this podcast. He, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots were the reason why I have the love I do for the game of football. I would not have this love if not for him. So, after a long-winded explanation of his retirement, I just want to say thank you to Tom Brady for his contributions to football. I personally do not know the game without him. I have never watched football before Tom Brady. I only have seen it live in stereo as he is doing it. And that thought to me is frankly scary. It's worrisome for me. I'm worried that 
I will not enjoy the game of football as much as I did with Tom Brady here. I'm worried that because of the fact that Tom Brady left the Patriots, went to the Buccaneers, that my fandom of the New England Patriots may be damaged, my connection severed. Because first and foremost, when Tom Brady left the Buccaneers, it was either Tom Brady or the Patriots. You can be a fan of both, but since they were both there, both present, it felt like things weren't really gone. I mean, when Tom Brady got added Rob Gronkowski to the Buccaneers, it felt like just another Patriots team. So I think that prolonged the inevitable because I still had that connection with Tom Brady. I still had the connection with the Patriots, and it still felt equal on both sides. I just had another aspect to, to root for on top of the Patriots. But now that Tom Brady is gone, it really just now sets in that this Patriots team is brand new. This Patriots team is not going to be as great as it was for the last 20 years. It's an experiment. It's a rebuild. And I'm going to jump in feet first and watch the NFL. I'm going to jump in feet first and see what happens. I mean, Mac Jones has just been named to the Pro Bowl as an alternate, which is huge for the Patriots. But my connection with football is, is damaged a bit. Because not only is my favorite player retired, but one of the center points, one of the main pillars of the NFL is gone. Thank you, Tom Brady. But as one thing ends, as a great career ends and goes off into the sunset, New ones have to come in to replace it. New careers begin, and we are just on the cusp of seeing the greatness of one of these new careers unfolding before us. The NFC Championship and the AFC Championships both took place as well this last weekend, and I just want to go over those real quickly. The first game we saw was the Bengals and the Chiefs, and... This game was a weird one. This game ended 27-24 to Bengals, but I woke up and I started watching this game, and I saw the Kansas City Chiefs score back-to-back-to-back, 21-3. to And I looked at the score, and I just laughed. I said, well, it's over. I sent my friend a text message saying, As soon as the Chiefs scored, I knew it was done. And I firmly believed that. I firmly believed that as soon as I saw those scores, the Kansas City Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl. They were going to dominate whoever was in the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes would have his second ring. And I did not like that thought. I was starting to believe that Josh Allen really was the last line of defense 
he was the one who was going to stop Patrick Mahomes from reaching another Super Bowl. But something surprised me. Coming out of the second half, the Bengals' defense woke up. The Bengals' defense woke up and stifled the Kansas City offense. The best offense of the league, one of them. Can't really deny that. Probably the best passing attack in the league. But they stopped him. And Joe Burrow was able to take his licks, keep coming out there, and grind out the game into overtime. The game went into overtime, and in the postseason, no team has ever been into overtime twice in a row and won both games. Patrick Mahomes was trying to break this. And Patrick Mahomes won the coin toss. And probably the funniest moment of the weekend happened. Josh Allen tweets out one word. He tweeted out, pain. Because that's not only what he was feeling, but millions of NFL fans around the world were feeling. I believe going into this game unanimously... People who are not Chiefs fans wanted the Bengals to win this game. They have a swagger about them. The Bengals are cool. They're new. They're fun. Everyone has personalities. Even their kicker has a personality. We don't know Justin Tucker's personality. We don't know Steven Gostkowski's personality. But we do know Evan McPherson's personality. And we know he is a cool, fun guy. Joe Burrow has now an allure about him, a mystique. Joe Freeze, Joey Franchise, Joe Burr, Joe Burrow. Nicknames on nicknames. They just keep going, and he rolls with it. He has the swagger, the cool gene. And I think that this game was huge for the Cincinnati Bengals. Primarily because I believe that this was their coming out party. This shows to me that between last week and this week, that the Cincinnati Bengals can face adversity and still come out and win. Last week, in the divisional round, Joe Burrow took nine sacks and won the game. This week, he was down by 18 points, the largest deficit in AFC Championship history, and came back. There's something about this kid that's special, and the Bengals, Joe Burrow, there's something special here we need to keep an eye on. Not just this year, because this year, I, I don't know if this year is their year. I don't know if they're still too young, but the next five years, keep an eye on this team, because they're young, they're exciting, and they're going to be huge for the Bengals. I've been saying, just straight up, I've said after the AFC Championship game yesterday, I said, Joe Burrow is already the greatest Cincinnati Bengal of all time. Now, I know the Bengals have made the Super Bowl two more times previously, but I, I don't look at the Bengals and I see a player and I'm like, that's the greatest bangle of all time. Who who could you even pin that on? Carson Palmer? No. He was a good mid-tier quarterback, but he's not the greatest of all time. Ocho Cinco? 
well. His single-season receiving record was broken this year by rookie Jamar Chase. And who was throwing Jamar Chase the ball? Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow has is building a culture in Cincinnati. I think he is very exciting. I think he is very ripe for what they needed. And I think that Joe Burrow at this moment, year two of his NFL career, is already the greatest Bengal of all time, especially if they win the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl this year, I will have no reservations about this because, frankly, I'm not well-versed in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. So I obviously will be missing people. I don't feel confident in my statement, but if he wins the Super Bowl, I will be all in on Joe Burrow being the greatest Bengal of all time. I will scream it from the rooftops and nobody will be able to stop me because it'll just be simply fact, a factual statement. And it takes two to tango in these games. So let's turn to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, everyone is calling it the Great Collapse. And it was. Patrick Mahomes came out there and lost them that game. And the Chiefs, they are the new dynasty of the league. Well, they're supposed to be. They are the new team that is going to make it far every year, possibly make the Super Bowl every year, win games, and people just need to accept that. Yet, what I'm beginning to realize is this team may be great at this moment, but they will not be great in five years. I don't see that vision because... Either next year or the year after, I can't remember. Patrick Mahomes' contract is really going to start hitting. Right now, the Chiefs don't need to pay Patrick Mahomes very much money at all. But once that contract starts to hit, once those $50, $60 million cap hits begin to hit every year, this team is going to start going downhill. I said this back when the Seahawks decided to pay Russell Wilson instead of the Legion of Boom, I said, I don't know, you're making a big mistake. I don't know if you should do that. I don't know if that's the right call because the Legion of Boom made that team. Now, I understand why you pay a quarterback, and I can't imagine a world without Russell Wilson as the Seahawks quarterback. But that cost them in the long run. It put them in the position where they're at now and have been for the past several years where Russell Wilson is the downfall of that team but also the savior of that team where they have tied themselves too much to Russell Wilson where they cannot get him any help but if they lose him, they have nothing. And... That's going to be how I feel the Chiefs are with Patrick Mahomes. They've tied themselves to Patrick Mahomes, and once his contract hits, they're not going to be able to get him anybody. Travis Kelsey's already in his mid-30s. He's going to start slowing down here soon, and I feel like he'll probably retire within the next three years. 
Not only that, Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, fastest man alive. He's going to start losing a step eventually. <clears throat> He's a good receiver. He is a good receiver, but I personally think that Tyreek Hill relies too much on his speed. I think his actual abilities as a receiving member of the team, his hands, his route running, everything like that, I think is middle of the pack. I think those statistics are just average. But his speed is so fantastic, so quick, so great that the rest of that can just be average where he can still be great because he's faster than everybody else. So we'll have to see. I think this year he lost about a half step. Still great. But as he gets older, he will continue losing a step until the league catches up. With that, they're going to need more firepower. <clears throat> Byron Pringle and Miko Hardman aren't going to get the job done. They're going to need to pay Tyreek Hill, pay Travis Kelsey if they stick around long enough. This just means they're going to have a heavier burden to carry with less around them. And I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can do that. I don't know if he's that guy who can do the most with the least because he has always had the most. He's always had a good receiver, always had a good tight end, always had a great coach, always had a serviceable defense. So we're going to have to wait and see. I am not as optimistic about the Chiefs as I am about the Bengals in these next five years from now. Within these five years, the Chiefs are going to be greater than the Bengals, no doubt in my mind. But I'm talking about after these five years onward. I'll take the Bengals. Not only did we have an AFC championship and an NFC championship. We also have the Super Bowl coming up. We have the Pro Bowl coming up. But before I get to that, I want to take a look at the NFC championship. And we had the Rams and the 49ers. And this game was a gritty game. And I knew it was going to be that after the first quarter. The first quarter, zero points by both teams were scored. And people thought this was going to be a blowout. For the Rams. And what people need to remember is this was a divisional matchup between two teams who play each other twice a year. And with that, the last six times these two teams met, the 49ers have beaten the Rams. Kyle Shanahan has beaten Sean McVay. And Kyle Shanahan in Sean McVay have a long history that dates all the way back to the Washington Redskins, where they were coaching teammates, along with Matt LaFleur, but we're not talking about him right now. And so because of that, these two know each other very well. They went at it all the time, and I believe that Kyle Shanahan was big brother to Sean McVay, and that's why he's had this advantage over him this entire time. I believe that Kyle Shanahan knows the mistakes that Sean McVay makes. He knows the weaknesses in his offense, in his defense. And that's been allowing the 49ers to win. 
against the Rams. However, we go out this game, and I, I made sure to make a note because Jimmy G is a serviceable quarterback. He is the best game manager in the NFL. He will follow the game plan to the T, yet he will always give the other team one turnover. He will always give them one. And I am confident in the fact in saying if Jimmy G had zero turnovers, I have not looked this stat up, but I am 99% sure they win 100% of their games when Jimmy G doesn't turn the ball over. I can't confirm that, though. But I told everyone, he's going to give the Rams at least one interception. And the longer this game went on, I was getting more and more nervous because I knew the interception was coming. I just did not know no know when. And the game went on and on and on. Second, third, going into the fourth quarter, there were some close calls. Jalen Ramsey almost hauled one of the interceptions in. And I thought, well, Maybe that was supposed to be the interception, but they just didn't capitalize. Maybe Jimmy G won't throw one this game. Maybe maybe they got this, actually. It was a tie game, I believe. Or they had a slight lead, sorry. And then, you know, later on, the Rams take over, and Jimmy G had to make a two-minute drill drive. And that's when it happens. He is trying to extend the play. They're losing yardage. And instead of taking the sack, he tries to get the ball out of his hands. And as he does, his receiver, wild pass, tries to make an insane catch. And in doing so, he pops the ball up even more, which allows the Rams to intercept it. Thus ending the 49ers season. But... The thing is, the thing that doesn't stick with me about the 49ers losing this game is them losing this game. It is Troy Aikman on commentary. He said, this may be the very last time you see Jimmy G in a 49ers uniform. And going into the season, the 49ers drafted Trey Lance. And he was supposed to be the successor to Jimmy G. And going into the season, everyone except expected Jimmy G to fail, expected him to underachieve, and in doing so, Trey Lance would take the helm after a few weeks, maybe four or five weeks, take the helm and be the new 49ers franchise quarterback. However, the issue was Jimmy G all year continued to perform. He continued to game manage. He continued to be the franchise franchise quarterback, and he continued to just get it done. And that is not what the 49ers were expecting. That's not what the NFL was expecting. And Jimmy G, I don't know what more he could have done this season to keep his job. He led them to the playoffs. He won in the wild card. He won in the divisional. He made it all the way to the NFC Championship in which he narrowly lost the game. And Troy Aikman says, this is the last time you will see him in a 49ers uniform. That, that's insane to me. I, 
what more did Jimmy G have to do this season to keep his job? Did he have to win the Super Bowl to stay the quarterback? Or was he never going to stay the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers? I don't think the 49ers would have made it as far as they did with Trey Lance. There's no way. He's a rookie. He would have made rookie mistakes and they would have fallen short. But Jimmy G has to win the Super Bowl to keep his job. I think that is incredibly unfair because he is the best game manager in the league. He has one of the highest win percentages of any quarterback in the league. And I really do hope <clears throat> that if the 49ers do indeed move on from Jimmy G, that he can find himself a home in the NFL where he can succeed. He's a good quarterback. He is a good teammate. He always works hard. He drowns out the noise, all the controversy around him. And he just plays the win. And I think a lot of teams could use a guy like that. A lot of teams could use a guy who isn't the best quarterback. He's not the worst quarterback. But that allows you doors and avenues to build the team around him. Jimmy G is good. And if he is not in the 49ers uniform, I hope he lands somewhere good. And from then we move to the Rams. And the Rams this season have been sensational. They have added Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, they added Matthew Stafford in the trade, the big trade, the big deal. And it's all paying off. I think if the trade hadn't paid off already, it did with this game the NFC championship really showed that Matthew Stafford has punched his ticket in LA and he definitely is going to be the future going forward for at least the next five years everyone they picked up they had just more talent than the 49ers they had Von Miller Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Matthew Stafford, Sony Mich They just had more talent. And eventually, I believe that that talent, even though they were underperforming in the beginning of the game, I believe that they showed up. And that's what stars do. Stars show up eventually. And whether it be Matthew Stafford, whether it be Cooper Cup, or any of these other guys... They made the right plays, they did what they had to do, and they grinded out this win. The defense made a play, intercepted Jimmy G, and ended up winning the game. And Matthew Stafford was in career purgatory in Detroit. He was never going to make playoffs. He was never going to be a Hall of Famer. He was never going to do anything except for get lost in the history books. Matthew Stafford would have been one of those guys. You're talking with your friends 15 years from now, and you say, Oh, hey, you remember that that quarterback on the Lions, the, the tough one, the one who should have been something. Oh, you mean Matthew Stafford? Yeah, 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 the franchise quarterback they had but never did anything with. It would have been a sad story 
people would have always wondered what could have been. And now that he is on the Rams, we are starting to see what should have been. And it's becoming a reality. He is the franchise quarterback. He is that good. He is that guy. And Matthew Stafford, I believe if the Rams went into Lambeau for the championship game, Matthew Stafford would not have been affected as much as other quarterbacks would have been by what I call the Lambeau magic, the allure of going to Green Bay, going to Lambeau Field, the atmosphere, the fans, just prime time, the cold. I think the Rams would have won that game as well because Matthew Stafford has been there and done that so many times. He is not affected by that. And he, even now, this is the biggest thing the Rams got with Matthew Stafford is he has been in those big play moments. He's been in the big time. So he will not be affected by that pressure, but he does make mistakes as well. Some games, Matthew Stafford looks like the greatest quarterback ever. And other games, he looks like he's on the Lions again. And he has definitely tightened it up as the season has gone on. And I think his overconfidence sometimes in his arm and his ability to make plays is what costs him. And so I think he needs to keep it in check. He needs to just stay with the plan, keep doing what they're doing, and they're going to be fine. And Odell Beckham Jr. has been nothing but a model player, a model teammate, fantastic person on the sidelines and to have in the locker room. This shows me that Odell Beckham was just unhappy in Cleveland, and he, it gets hard to play for a team or try hard for a team you don't believe in or don't want to play for, and that's exactly what happened for Odell. He was like that for the last two years. He was beaten, battered, having to carry Baker Mayfield and the Browns, who have a primarily running attack when he is a star wide receiver he just didn't care and now that he's on the rams he is bought in odell beckham jr cares and he is proving that he is lifting his teammates around him and he is the perfect counterpiece to cooper cup von miller von miller is a hall of famer there's no two ways about it and all they ask of him, he is older, he's got a lot in the tank, and for a lot of guys, you ask them to just make one play a game, one good play a game that will change the dynamic of everything, but Von Miller, he'll get you two, he'll get you three, Von Miller is still that defender we remember him as, it's just he can't take those double teams every single play like he used to, but if he's single covered, and they have to double-team Aaron Donald, for example, Von Miller can still do what he has always done. He's still great. And Von Miller is a centerpiece for this team. And with that, we have the Rams and the Bengals both going to the Super Bowl. And going into it, I just want to give a little preview of it. We have, we've talked about the Bengals, we've talked about the Rams, both in length today, both their games, more so about the players than the games. And 
I think both of these teams are a recipe for one of the more exciting feel-good Super Bowls we have had in a long time. This is the first time I am seeing a Super Bowl in which I am okay with either team winning. The Bengals win is the start of a new generation, the start of Joe Burrow's legacy and him chasing greatness. If the Rams win, it is Matthew Stafford, what he has deserved all along. He needs just one Super Bowl, and then he can have a case for the Hall of Fame one day. That's all he needs. He's chasing his own legacy, his own history. And I want to see either one of these teams win. And the Super Bowl is coming to L.A., where it will be a home game for the Rams. And the Rams are an L.A. team. The Rams are those guys, but it's hard to believe that the Rams are a full home team. As an L.A. person who lives near L.A., I do believe that the Rams and the Chargers, they are both L.A. teams, but they have not fully captured the hearts of L.A. I would say a more proper team for L.A. would be the Las Vegas Raiders. If they come to town, they usually take over the stadium against the Rams or against the Chargers. The 49ers, when they come to town, same thing. So it's a home game, but also not really. I would say they'll have most of the support, but not completely all of it. It won't be dominating like it was in Tampa Bay, for example, for that Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals have faced a lot of adversity. They have been beaten and battered, and they have still rose up to the occasion. So I do believe that they have a fighting chance as well they do not have as much talent as the rams do though and it's going to come down to what i said earlier about how if you have more talent they will show up in the brightest spots and they will make those plays and so it's just a matter of outlasting the upstarts and the newcomers i think that this game will be very entertaining. It will be high scoring, probably high 20s each team, maybe low 30s. I have the Los Angeles Rams defeating the Cincinnati Bengals and Matthew Stafford winning his Super Bowl, thanking his wife, Cooper Cup, celebrating with his wife, and it being a feel-good time. It being the changing of a guard, a new generation emerging now that Tom Brady has retired. And Matthew Stafford, as one of now the oldest quarterbacks in the league, is taking that helm as that veteran gunslinger. I think that he deserves it. I think no one will argue with the fact that Matthew Stafford deserves it. And I'm ready. I'm ready for the Super Bowl. And coming up, we have the Pro Bowl next week, so next week I won't have a whole lot to talk about, but the NFL is a fast-moving sport. I'm sure some news will break. I will do another preview of the Super Bowl, of course, since that is the biggest event in our sport. So next week, you can expect 
a breakdown of the Super Bowl. You can expect my first top 10 list, my top 10 quarterbacks of 2021-22 season. And I think I'm going to go over my favorite Pro Bowl events. My maybe some older events, maybe some current day ones, whichever events that I have always enjoyed the best, I'll go a little bit over them and we'll share some memories a little bit of the Pro Bowl and what it means as an NFL fan, what it means now. And I think it'll be a good time next week, a nice, relaxing, chill week before we get into the nitty gritty, before we get into the Super Bowl. And immediately after the Super Bowl, we have the postseason talks. We'll we'll be getting into all that next week and the weeks beyond. So I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. The support has been unbelievable from episode one all the way to now. So please make sure to follow the Twitter and Instagram at J Tyler Sports Show. Make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify at Joseph Tyler Sports Show. That again is Joseph Tyler Sports Show on Spotify. Make sure to turn on the notifications, rate us five stars if you enjoyed it, rate it whatever else if you did not, and that's all I got for you guys. Another week of football is coming gone, and another week is sure to come, and I can't wait to get into it with you all. So, see you on the flip side.